You know, I know y'all, we've got good things to say to each other, but even more than that, God's got something big that he wants to say to us. He's got something big that he wants to share with you. I want to encourage you. Of course, we're about to get into the word and I'm going to pray and I believe that God's spirit is going to speak to each and every one of us, that he's going to bring revelation, that he's going to talk to us in the way we need to hear it. But I want to encourage you, even outside of God speaking to us in this way through his word, I want to encourage you before you leave, you know, just like this fellowship time, get a word from God from somebody today. Even just during this fellowship time, somebody spoke a word over me from the Lord that honestly I needed to hear. God's speaking directly to me, knows my situation. They don't. But God's knowing what he wants to say to me and he used somebody else to to share that with me. So an encouragement before you leave, receive from someone, or if you've got something, give it out. Some people are hesitant. You don't have to say, thus saith the Lord. You don't have to say, hey, God told me exactly this. But if you're getting some kind of inclination of, oh, maybe somebody needs to hear some encouragement, or maybe I should be saying this to somebody, I have a sneaky suspicion that it could be the Lord. And so you don't have to put the Lord's name on it necessarily, but share something with somebody And as your confidence grows, you can start to feel uh, like, yeah, I'm sharing God's word over somebody. Uh, His word says that he gives us the desires of our hearts. He he moves us in a certain direction to where, yeah, if you if you're sitting here right now and you're thinking, man, I really feel the need to encourage Rhonda today. uh, You know, it's God's spirit that wants to encourage. It's God's spirit that wants to uplift, that wants to speak life. And so. If you're following the Lord, he gives you the desires of your heart. If you have a desire to go uplift Rhonda, yeah, that's probably the Lord wanting to speak through you. It's probably the Lord wanting to say something to her through you. So anyway, the Lord's got something in you this morning. Share it with somebody. Share it with somebody. So that's my encouragement to you. Uh, but before, before we do get into the word and I, I pray, um, I want to put out there to everyone a need that we have in our community right now. Some of you know this family. Some of you maybe don't. Uh, the Todd family, uh, Justin, he plays bass in our worship team quite a bit. Uh, they've, they've experienced some uh, struggles lately. Uh, the biggest one is uh, his mother recently passed away due to COVID. And uh, so it's a hard time, a grieving moment for their family Uh, but she lives in Michigan, and so they have a need as a family right now. It's a family of eight. They're trying to make it to Michigan this week for uh, their mother's, grandmother's funeral, uh, and could use a little bit of assistance. So uh, if you want to sow into their trip and just financially bless them a little bit in the needs that they're experiencing right now, uh, I want to make that opportunity available to you. So Uh, Caleb had mentioned earlier, there's green boxes in the foyer in the coffee shop. If you would, on the in the envelope, there's envelopes in the chairs in front of you. If you want to give specifically to them, just to be a blessing to them, would you just write on that envelope, Todd family, and you could put that in the green boxes. If you feel led to contribute to that need and to that family, uh, we just kind of want to take up a little something for them. So the green boxes specify Todd family on your envelope, and uh, we'll make sure that uh, they go with a blessing from us. And that it's a, a hard and challenging thing that they're going through. So if we can take care of some needs as a church, then we want to be able to do that. So thank you for your consideration on that and just the generosity that 
you all exhibit. I really do believe we've got it. Uh, we don't have it up here. It's not one of our, well, yeah, it is, generosity. Uh, I keep forgetting which G, G words we've got. But generosity is one of our core values as a church. Uh, it's one of the things that defines us as a congregation. And I, man, I see it in us. So thank you for your generosity. That being said, let's pray, go to the Word. If you've got your Bibles, we're in Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 21 this morning. Let's pray. God, thank you for your presence here with us. Thank you that you've never left us. You never will leave us. You never will forsake us. You're always present. You're near to us. And God, I pray that you would open, just as we sang this morning, that you would open the eyes of our hearts, open the discerning part of us to see, to hear, to know, to understand your presence with us. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this moment. We welcome you to speak. We welcome you to challenge us where we need it. We welcome you to encourage us where we need that. We welcome you to do whatever it is that you want to do. We submit ourselves to you and we yield to you. We thank you for doing your work. God, we want to lift you up. Jesus, we want you lifted up. We want you glorified, put up high. And as we do that, thank you for drawing us close to yourself. We love you so much. We thank you for your word that was lived in front of us. And draw us close to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mark chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 21 here. If you've been around with us uh, for the past few weeks, you know that we are journeying through the gospel of Mark. We're making our way through this story, this telling of Jesus' life. We want to see Jesus lifted up. We want to see Jesus lifted high. And so we're going through this entire gospel. I don't know how long it's going to take us. I don't know what all we're going to be touching and seeing along the way, but we're going through this gospel. We want to see Jesus lifted up. And the reason why we're going through this gospel, the reason why we're digging into these stories of Jesus' life is kind of because of a challenge that I feel like the Lord gave us as a church coming out of Jubilee. Jubilee, if you're not aware, is a yearly conference that our church does. And the whole purpose of that conference is, one, to just give God thanks for what He's done over the past year and to seek Him for vision for the year to come. And a challenge that uh, the Lord kind of gave us as a church through Pastor Jacob is this call, this challenge as a people, as a church and individuals to pursuit. He challenged us to pursue. Pursue God with everything that we are, whatever our life situation is, wherever we find ourselves in our walk with him, to challenge ourselves to deeper and further pursuit. Uh, challenge us to prayer. Uh, a part of that pursuit is committing ourselves even deeper into prayer and intimacy, closeness with the Lord. Challenge us to perspective, to see things the way that God sees it, to challenge our own perspectives and understandings, to look, okay, what does Jesus say on this matter, what does Jesus say to me and to my life right now, to perspective, uh, to power, that our church and God's church needs to be a church of power. This should be a place where miracles are happening, where people are being set free in supernatural ways, where people are being healed, things that are unexplainable, explained only by the power and the presence of God. We believe it. That's the, the type of God we serve. God didn't stop being powerful after the apostles died. God continues to be powerful. He continues to want to move and work 
And that's a sign to unbelievers whenever he's working in powerful ways in our midst. So a challenge to power and then a challenge to praise, to even more. You know, that's the whole goal of Jubilee is to praise, to thank, to give God glory for what he's done. So even more uh, a challenge to praise. And so that's kind of a lens that I want to be seeing these things through as we're looking at Jesus's life. Okay, how does his life call me to deeper pursuit of him? Last week, we read the story of Jesus calling the first disciples saying, drop everything you're doing and follow me. And that's exactly what they did. Put their nets down, put the, the, their fishing materials that they were making their livelihoods from, and they just dropped it and followed Jesus, pursued him. And we'll see prayer come up. We'll see Jesus' perspective. His power is going to be very loud and clear in this message we're about to read. Um, and so what's left for us to do is to give him praise, to give him glory for it. So here in this story, I'm just going to read, but I want us, we're going to see Jesus as very powerful, Jesus as very authoritative, Jesus is very strong. And so that's the, the, the story that we're getting into. I'm going to read it and then we'll backtrack a little bit and I'll, I kind of share some things that the Lord is highlighting to me this morning. Mark 1, verse 21. This is right after he calls his first disciples. One of the very first things that he does in his ministry. And they went in, into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him, and they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. What an awesome little episode! Uh, Jesus first coming onto the scene, calls his disciples. He enters the synagogue. He's a rabbi. He's a teacher. What he does, what he comes to do is to teach. And so he walks into the synagogue one sleepy Sabbath. Same old, same old, coming for their regular religious events, co comings and goings, just like a typical Sunday or Saturday, whatever you want to call it. Coming into the synagogue for this and boom. This new guy, nobody really knows of him. I think I saw something about him. There was some kind of cool story about him whenever he got baptized. Out in the wilderness, John the Baptist was doing this thing. There was some kind of cool thing that happened. But who is he? Who is this Jesus? Here he comes teaching in the synagogue. And man, do things go down. Anybody got some unclean spirits in here? Go ahead and make yourself known now. And we'll just cast you out and go about our business. Some things go down in this, uh, in this little episode here. But, but what's so cool is that first and foremost, as he starts to teach, Jesus is seen by all these people around as one having authority. One having authority. So, so this is where I want to back up and, and 
just spend a little time right here. They were astonished. Verse 22, they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. Here's something that sticks out to me about this. Before the unclean spirit gets cast out by Jesus, already the people's ears are perked up to the authority that this man has. All he's doing at this point is teaching. But there's authority. There's weight to his words. There's something backing it. There's something powerful behind it. And so whenever I think about authority, the question that comes to my mind is, what is the power that's backing up you? What's the power that's backing up what you say or who you are? What's the power behind it? So if we think about authority here on earth, like, you know, I think about times whenever I've like done somebody's wedding or something like that. You know, you see the preacher by the power vested in me by the state of Oklahoma or whatever. As a minister of the gospel, I pronounce you man and wife, right? It's not just me, some guy saying, yeah, y'all are married now. No, it's because there's something behind me. There's some kind of credential. There's some kind of, whether it's, you know, the spiritual credential of, you know, God using a minister or the state saying, yeah, this guy can actually say that you're married. There's some kind of power behind it. There's some kind of authority behind it that comes from this organization that I'm associated with or the title that I have. Uh, Authority could come from age or time, history, Uh, there's some people in this room, I'm not looking at anybody in particular because some people think it's bad if you call them old, but it's not that anybody's old, but there is authority. There's a certain amount of authority that comes literally just with time spent on this earth. Having been there, having done that, having seen it, having got the t-shirt, all those different things, it it brings a certain amount of authority uh, that if you seen certain things, if you've been through certain things that I just don't have in my experience, there's an authority, there's a power and a weight behind your experience, behind what you've seen and and heard and done. There's authority. Some people have authority associated with their name. Like, I, I, I struggle to name names, but there are certain names in this community that are just recognizable. You know, like, and I could say Eastwood or Dill or Pierce or whatever, I'm not, I have no associations, I'm telling you. But I'm just saying, you say names, and it comes with a certain knowing of like, oh, this is who you're connected with. These are your people. This is where you're from. This is who you're associated with. And, it, you know, people could have good associations. People could have bad associations. But the point of it is, is that there's a certain amount of power. There's a certain amount of weight just simply behind that, that name, that the, this is the people that you come from. So there's, there's all these different kind of ways that we can see authority or that we can perceive authority. But what's so cool is that Jesus wasn't necessarily uh, a name that he had. You know, he's from Podunk, Nazareth. Uh, but, you know, people even kind of gave him problems about that. Well, what good thing has come out of there? What good prophet could come from that? His authority wasn't necessarily from his name. It wasn't all this time that he spent. This is his first time walking into the synagogue, as far as we know. It said that he had been teaching before, but this is the first time it looks like he's gone into the synagogue and started to teach in that way. And so it's not that he's been doing it for years and years and years, but there's authority. They can see it. It's dripping off of his tongue as he 
shares, even before some big miracle happens, there's authority, there's power, there's weight behind Jesus' words and what he says. There's authority there. And it comes, yeah, not necessarily because of time, not necessarily because of a name, but simply because of who he is. We saw at his baptism story the Father speaking over him, Behold, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. His identity as the Son of God, as a member of the Trinity, as God made flesh, his very identity brings authority. Because he's sitting here, think about this. He, it, the, the Scriptures say that Jesus is the Word made flesh. He's God's very Word, God's teaching, the law, the prophets, everything, made into human form, made into a human being. And so here Jesus is, teaching in the synagogues, he's teaching himself. If he's teaching the word, he's teaching who he is. He's talking about who he was, not just a certain thing. So it said he has this authority, not as the scribes. So the scribes were really good at copying things down. They could hear, oh, this was said, I can write that down. They were literate, they could write. So many people were hearing from the scribes just because they had the words, but it wasn't necessarily lived in them. It wasn't necessarily something that flowed out of them. It was just like, yeah, I can read this, so let me tell it to you. But there was an authority there. Jesus lived this stuff. He lived out the word, and so there was automatic authority that came just from his presence because of who he was. As we will probably see later here, Jesus' authority, it also came through intimacy with the Father. His authority came through a life that was just drenched in the Father's presence. It it says here in uh, in verse 35, later on after some of these things happened, he said, rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out into a desolate place and there he prayed. You'll see that come up multiple times throughout Jesus' life. Him just getting away from the crowds, getting away from the ministry that he was called to do, and going, being in a desolate place, away from everybody else, and spending time in intimate connection and unity with the Father. Authority in Jesus came through that intimacy that he cultivated with the Father. Came in prayer and through a life of prayer. So even before any kind of miracle is done, before anything like that, we see that there's something different about this Jesus. He's got authority because he is the word that he's teaching and because he's spending time close in intimate prayer with the Lord. Again, we've got this call to prayer, a call to deeper prayer. Y'all, the, you and I, we're called to operate in authority. It's one thing to say that Jesus is authoritative. And yeah, Jesus, he has all this authority. But one of the cool things, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but here in a few chapters, Jesus is going to say, okay, disciples, I'm giving you authority to go and cast out demons. Now you go out into these towns and start to preach my word. He's got the authority, but he's giving it out as well. He's giving it to us, to you and I. You and I were called to live lives of authority. Whenever you and I speak in the community about who Jesus is, about what he's done, there should be some power behind it. There should be some authority behind it. And it's not just like, oh, well, there's one of those Christians that just, you know, regurgitates whatever they hear on their TBN, or I don't know if TBN is still big, but they just regurgitate whatever they hear the preacher saying, or they're not even actually thinking about it. No, 
whenever we start to talk to people about, this is my God. This is the one who I serve. This is who Jesus is. This is what he's done. There should be this automatic, sensed, even before anything is seen, authority that, wow, you're walking with the person that you're talking about. Wow, you're intimately connected with this Jesus who you're telling me about. There's something there. Wow, you have an identity as a daughter and as a son of that God that you're talking about. So yeah, there's, there's something here. There's an authority that can be sensed. So Jesus, he has this authority. And you know what uh, is so cool is that you and I, we have this opportunity. We have this ability to put ourselves even more under that authority. And that's kind of the question I want to ask is, how can you, how can I, the question I'm asking myself, how can I put myself even more under Jesus' authority? That's a question that the Lord was kind of putting on me. And at first I was like, well, that doesn't make sense because Jesus said, we'll read this later, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So if Jesus has all authority, how could I be more under his authority? Right? Well, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to Jesus, been handed over to him. He's got all of it. Yet at the same time, Jesus gives us an opportunity to choose what we do with that authority. So people, it, just like in this time, they heard, they saw Jesus' authority. This man speaks with authority, something different, something not like our scribes. And people had different options of what to do with that. They could be confused. They could walk away. They could be like, wow, that's amazing. That Some people got really mad about it. it you're terrible, Jesus. You're messing with our system. Stop doing this. Some people chose to lay down their entire lives and follow him. So yes, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. Yet at the same time, we have this will. We have this choice. We have this ability to put ourselves even more under that authority or not. I could see that Jesus is authoritative and I could choose to go live my life however I want to and act like it's not a thing. Or I could see how authoritative Jesus is. I could see how big and how powerful he is. And I could say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus, may you increase and I decrease. Jesus, I want to see what your words are and I want to follow those things and not whatever my own whims or desires are. You, not me. That is a way that we can put ourselves even more under his authority. And I want you to ask that question too because specifics for your life might look different. You, you know the situations that you're going through. You know what your family problems are. You know what your business decisions are that need to be made. You know... You know what it is. And so pray that prayer a little bit. Jesus, how can I put myself more under your authority? How can I put myself even more under your lordship? Because that is called submission. That's called submission. Jesus has authority over everything. But you and I, we get this wonderful choice that am I going to willingly submit my life under that authority or am I going to rebel against it? That's this question that so many people faced in the life of Jesus. We'll see it over and over and over again. Here Jesus is. Here's the power that he has. Here's how authoritative he is. What are you going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? And we have this choice. We can willingly submit our lives under his authority, put ourselves even more under that covering and allow him to use us. Because the cool thing about it is you can't have authority 
that you're not under. You can't wield authority that you're not under. You have to be submitted. That's the way authority works, is that if you submit yourself to an authority, then yeah, you can wield that authority as well. I'm trying to think of an example, I would compare it even like to this church. Here we are, we've talked about this a lot, we're one church, multiple locations, many denominations, many churches are set up this way, that there's covering even uh, that's not local to the specific town. So I have this authority, I have authority in this place as a pastor, not because of my own name, not because of how great I am, but honestly because of people who have come before me, people who have uh, I've submitted myself to, who have trusted me, who have given me authority and said, yes, yeah, you can make decisions here. You can shepherd the flock how the Lord's guiding you in this way, and, but it's still submitted to a greater authority. It's the same way here with Jesus. If, if, if you got your Bibles, go over to um, Matthew. We're going we're gonna to double dip here and go into another gospel writer, okay? So in Matthew and in Luke, we, we see another story of Jesus' life. This is in uh, Matthew chapter 8 that talks specifically about this authority and how it works that you can't wield authority unless you're under authority. And I'm telling you, that goes against our culture right now. We are a very individualistic, very self-sufficient, do-it-yourself, you're your own person, you make your own decisions, yada, yada, yada. That's the kind of water that we're swimming in as a culture is you do you, Nobody else tells you what to do. Our culture is very against submission. Our culture is very against authority. But this is how Jesus set it up. If you want to have authority, put yourself under authority. So Matthew chapter 8, uh, I'm going to start in verse 5. When he entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority. I want to say, he says, I too am a man under authority. Y'all, Jesus was under authority. This is one of those great mysteries. God made flesh, absolutely God in Jesus, yet he was yielded even to the Father. Even Jesus, equal to God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, as we see in the book of Philippians. Submitted himself even to the Father. Again, I I mentioned this before. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. If somebody gave him that authority, he submitted even to the Father, even in the Trinity There's this submission and there's this authority at work that we see even in Jesus' life. If Jesus isn't exempt from operating under authority, who are we to act like we don't need to be under somebody's authority, right? So anyway, he said, I too, where was I? I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. No one in Israel have I found such faith. So again, this authority is connected 
even to faith. You're trusting God. This centurion is so cool. He's like, I've got people above me. I've got people underneath me. And the way that I realize authority works is that what the people above me say, that's what I'm going to say. And I'm going to trust that the people beneath me, whenever I say it, that's what they're going to say and do and go execute that. And so he said, even I too, he saw it operating in his own physical life. And he knew, okay, yeah, Jesus is that same way. How his kingdom is working, similar kind of thing. So Jesus is so powerful and so authoritative that if he just says it, it's as good as done. Just like if I tell one of my servants, hey, go clean that room. Lord Jesus, help me with my kids. (laughs) If I tell him, go clean that room, it's as good as done. Just like he knows if I say it, it's done. With Jesus, if he says it, he's so authoritative, he's so powerful that it's done. And the centurion found himself. He said, yes, I'm a man under authority. I've got authority under me. And so the only way you and I can wield any kind of authority, and y'all, God's called you to this. God has called you to be in a position of authority. I'm telling you, no matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, poor, rich, whatever, God's called you to be a person who wields authority. I'm not saying, don't hear what I'm saying that like God's not called you to go be a jerk to people and say, do what I tell you, this, this, this. No, that's not how God's kind of authority works. There's power there, but it's not control. So God, but God's called every one of us to be authoritative, to have authority, to have our words mean something, to have things happen whenever we say it, to, for, for our presence to carry some kind of weight, some kind of power behind it. He's called us in that way. And so if we're going to do that, we've got to find out how we are under authority. Whose authority are we under? Of course, yielded and submitted to Jesus. But honestly, if you're looking for practical examples as well, find somebody that you trust and submit to them here on earth. Submit to somebody. Find somebody that you trust, honestly, even if it's if it's in church, if you don't know anybody that you can trust in that way, come to church. Listen to what I say, okay? I'm not going to tell you to do bad things, I promise. But find somebody, submit to them, yield to them. Not, not for that person's sake, for your own sake. Because you want to be a person who operates in authority just as God's called you to. Just as God's called you to. Make a decision to do something that you don't want to do because someone wiser and wiser than you told you not to. Choose to die to yourself and live God. F- find something in Scripture that you disagree with and do it. <laughs> Submit. Submit. But Jesus, he's this authoritative person. So the, the big question is, how can I put myself even more under Jesus' authority? How can I put myself even more under Jesus' authority? And then what's cool, okay, so I already read the rest of this, that after this happens, he comes into the synagogue, they're amazed, they're wowed, and immediately an unclean spirit manifests itself. Now, something that the Lord highlighted to me that I think is so cool about this is that before any of the physical miracles and manifestations of Jesus' ministry, this first thing that we see is a spiritual matter. The spirit thing manifested and happening first. Now, uh, I talked to a lot of people about Jesus' first miracle. And, uh, you know, honestly, a lot of 
my friends who enjoy alcohol or people that I've met who uh, really like alcohol will say, hey, you know what Jesus' first miracle was, right? Y'all, y'all have heard that too once you say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Right? But you know what Jesus' first miracle? And yes, honestly, I'm pretty cool with that miracle too. Jesus turning water into wine, throwing a party for people at the wedding. Like, that was awesome. Hey, we need to think about that for y'all's wedding. Bring some big vats of water. We'll see what we can do with it. But so, so many people would be really quick to, hey, you know what Jesus' first miracle was? Yes, John, the, as far as the gospel writer, John says it, that's how it goes. But here, the first thing we see Mark talk about is Jesus walking into the temple, teaching, preaching with authority, and then an unclean spirit manifests, and it's an exorcism. How cool is that? Next time somebody's like, hey, you know what Jesus' first miracle was, right? Yeah, an exorcism. You want to do that with me right now? No. That's a digression. Let's get back to the story. So uh, it, it's this unclean spirit. And what, what we would read here later is that Jesus is going to go from here. People are going to be healed. More demons are going to be cast out. Jesus is going to touch a person with leprosy and it's going to be healed. All of these physical manifestations of Jesus's authority and power. But the first thing that moved was in the spirit realm. The first thing that moved was a, a spiritual matter, something that is not necessarily discerned all the time with our eyes and with our ears and our physical senses, but something that was spiritually happening all the time. So the first thing that happened was in the spiritual realm. The reason why I highlight this, the reason why I think this is so important, is you and I as believers, I think we need to start speaking more to the spirit of things, speaking more to the spiritual matters. Maybe that sounds kooky, okay? Uh, guess what? I'm kind of kooky a little bit, okay? So just deal with that. But maybe that sounds kooky. I'm going to unpack it a little bit more. But before you start just looking at the physical things of what Jesus can do, start speaking to the spirit of the matter. Because truly, we believe in Hebrews 11, verse 3, it says such a powerful statement that by faith, we know that the universe was created by God's word. So the things that we see are not made by what's visible. Pause there for a second. This entire, every single thing in this world was created by a word of God. Something invisible, something intangible physically. All of it created. So the things that we see came from the things that we don't see. What we don't see comes first. And so here's an application. If you're poor, God loves you so much. If you're poor and you're praying, God, give me money. God, provide for me. God, give me this money. I think that's a great prayer. Absolutely. God wants to provide for you. He, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he loves to care for his children and provide. But what I would encourage us to, as Jesus followers, is even before praying for the physical thing that we need to see in our hands, because hey, sometimes we need to see it. Am I right? Before we even start praying about that, Praying to, against a spirit. God, I pray, speak against any spirit of poverty that's trying to have a hold on my life so that whenever you do bless me with the money, man, there's not a, a spirit attached to me or, or anybody around me, the spirit of poverty or spirit of lack or anything like that, those things that you can't necessarily see. Pray against those things so that whenever God gives you the money, man, you can run with it. You can do something powerful with it. Before praying, you know, so many people pray that God would change their husband or their wife, you know. 
I encourage you, pray it if you want to. But it's not always the best prayer to pray that God would change something about your spouse. Maybe the first prayer we need to pray is, God, I pray and speak against any spirit of strife in this home. Speaking against the spirit that's there. Because if there's a spirit that's there, then it's not that your wife is just a jerk or your husband's just a meanie. It really is that there's a spirit going on here that we need to speak against so that we can operate in the way that God's created us to operate, both of us, because he wants to change all of us. Do you hear what I'm saying? If not, that's okay, but I'm still just putting it out there that let's, let's be speaking to the spirit of things. That's why so often whenever we're praying over even the offering and God's provision, we, we speak over and, and against lack in our community. We speak against poverty in our community. Not, not just that God would give us money, but that God would make us truly blessed in all ways, spirit, soul, body, in our bank account, in our hearts, in our spirit, every, everything that we would experience in operating the blessing of God. So speak to the Spirit first. Even that Spirit is sometimes the first thing that needs to be worked with, even before what we can see. The Spirit is manifest. Jesus casts him out, and from there he goes, and uh, he walks into the house of Simon Peter and Andrew and James and John, and he goes and heals Simon's mother-in-law. Heals her of a, a fever, a, a physical thing. And it's so cool because, you know, Jesus says, and I've been quoting this so much, but it's in Matthew 28. Uh, after his resurrection, the last things that he says to his disciples, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Making dis Make disciples because all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And right here in these stories, th so the, again, there's a reason why Mark says this first, why this is the map of the story, the first things we see here, is we see loud and clear Jesus wielding authority over the principalities in spiritual places and physical things that we see. If it, all authority is in heaven and on earth, we see physical, earthly illness that literally just gets healed from Jesus. And we also see these things that are unseen, that people walk around with their entire lives that maybe nobody notices, nobody cares to, to talk about or look at, or maybe it's never made manifest, but they come up and Jesus, even those spiritual things that are unseen forces that we're constantly working against in a fight against, Jesus has authority over those things as well. So we see it walked out clearly from the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's wielding authority in heavenly places, in earthly places. It's all his, and it's all for him. So that's my encouragement this morning is let's put ourselves even more under that authority. That's the kind of authority I want to have a part of. That Jesus authority that wields it in heaven and on earth that all things are subject to him. I want to be in line with that kind of authority. And know that we're in a fight that is not just physical. Ephesians chapter 6 talks about that our war is not against flesh and blood. Our war is not against the Democrats or the Republicans or the whoever. Our war is not flesh and blood. Our war is against principalities. It's against spiritual wickedness in high places. It's against these large forces that we don't see with our own eyes. But Jesus has authority over those things just the same. So let's yield to him. Let's submit to him, to his authority, and see what he can do with it. 
That's my encouragement for you this morning. I want to pray over you, but what I really want to do is I want to invite ministry teams up here. We've got people who would love to pray over you. I'm going to speak a blessing over everybody who's here, but I know that you've come in here, every single one of us. We come in with certain needs. We come in with our specific things that, that we need to see God move in. Let's wield the authority that he's given us. Whatever your issue is, whatever your success is, honestly, you can come to these prayer teams and share praise reports. You can talk to the people uh, that sit next to you about the good things God's doing in your life too. But let's wield the authority that he's given us. Again, we're putting ourselves even more under the subjection of Jesus, his authority that has power in heaven and on earth over everything. And let's see what God can do. Let's see what God can do. If you need a healing this morning, we serve a God who heals. If you need to be free of something, honestly, if you're looking at your life and you're seeing the struggles that you've been going through and you're like, man, I'm fighting a spiritual battle right now. This isn't just a physical thing, but I've got some spiritual forces up against me in my life and you need God's word spoken over that. Come forward. Come get prayer about that. God's got authority over that. We've got authority over that in Jesus. And so I'd encourage you to come and to receive prayer, receive ministry this morning. But before that, I want to just speak a blessing over you as well. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this church. I thank you for every person that is here, who you love, who you've called according to your purposes. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move in each and every one of us this morning. God, show us. Holy Spirit, reveal to us how we can put ourselves even more under your authority. God, we want to be submissive. We want to hear your word and do what it says. We want to listen to you. We want your will, not our own. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would work on us, soften our hearts to what you're saying to us. We love you. We submit to you. And God, as we do that, as we submit to your authority, I thank you for just unleashing your power in our lives. Thank you for unleashing that authority and that power, that strength that you have over every single need, over every single ailment, over every single problem we might be experiencing. God, we thank you for it. We love you and we look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would stand, I I just want to speak one final word over you as we're dismissed here that the Lord would direct each and every one of your hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you all. Be blessed.